0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. I'm Alicia, Stacy. This week, you're leaning hard into the bad relationship part, if not the divorce part so much.
1: Not a traditional divorce. Yeah, this week I am talking through one of the most shocking corporate divorces of recent years that of the founders of language translation giant Transperfect what started as a passion project by two kids in love turned into an absolute spectacle of bad behavior and litigation in multiple
0: states whatever language you speak it's definitely trashy <laughs> before we begin our episode today we've got a magic mirror here I want to take a moment to welcome our new patrons to patreon.com/trashydivorces get an ad-free episodes bonus episodes so grateful for our community over there stacy who is manifesting in the magic mirror this week. Thank you so much for joining us,
1: Dawn A., Jessica K., Carson, Cammy C., and Katya I.
0: And holy cats, a new super supporter, Carrie A. We are so grateful for all of y'all. Friends, I guarantee you may feel like someone's watching you after this one. Stacy. you know what we gotta do. We gotta go, go, go. Oh, Stacey, you have a different kind of trashy divorce for us today—a little, little doing dirty business.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little, little corporate rupture that uh, made some headlines a few years back. Love
0: turns bad,
1: and business—well, business turned good. I, you know, we're just gonna, we're just gonna plow ahead. Alicia, the Delaware Chancery Court has been in the news a bit lately, thanks to America's worst CEO, one Elon Musk which brought to mind a different kind of divorce that was handled in that court a few years ago. In that case, two exes, who had been co-running a wildly successful business they built together, were duking it out over control of the company, and in classic trashy style, the details of their, at the end anyway, unsuccessful partnership got really, really ugly. And happily, not only the Delaware Chancery Court, but also the Supreme Court of Delaware, plus a court in New York have all documented the long list of bad behaviors by our main characters. Fantastic. Welcome to Trashy Divorces. Absolutely. Before we get into them and their disputes, a note on the Delaware Chancery Court before we, you know, jump in. The Delaware Court of Chancery is a non-jury trial court that serves as Delaware's Court of Original and Exclusive Equity Jurisdiction. It adjudicates a wide variety of cases involving trusts and real property, like real estate, and commercial litigation, among other things. It's sort of a preeminent business court in the country. Okay. Delaware has some of the most business-friendly laws in the U.S. of all the states, and companies routinely incorporate there, even if they aren't specifically doing business in Delaware, to take advantage of like wildly favorable tax laws And when there are legal disputes, the Chancery Court, and this is why Twitter, which is not based in Delaware, was suing Elon Musk in Delaware, because- Interesting. There is a building in Delaware that it, I mean, it's an office that houses a business registrar, and like a quarter million (gasps) corporate addresses are registered there. Like that is the,
0: (laughs) yeah. Can you imagine working in that mailroom? Good Lord. (sighs)
1: Okay, let's meet our characters here, who are real people, of course. These are Elizabeth Elting, Liz Elting, and Philip Shaw. Phil? Liz and Phil. Liz and Phil. And the company they co-founded and co-led for about a quarter of a century is called TransPerfect. It's a language translation service that has become absolutely integral to business function in the age of the internet and, you know, a fully accessible global marketplace Big brands need websites that open in French for customers in France and Japanese for customers in Japan and massively complex global supply chains require contracts between parties that have to be accurate for all sides and companies may face litigation in foreign courts and everyone involved needs to know and argue with precision in the native tongue of the court. So these are the types of things that TransPerfect was Created to tackle. Okay. Back in 1992, when Liz Elting and Phil Shaw were both students at the Stern School of Business at NYU, they were dating and they had a dream. Oh, really? Mm. Liz had grown up on the move. She's a native of New York, but her family had long stints in Portugal and Canada when she was a kid. She's fluent in English, French, Spanish, Portuguese, and Latin. And when it was time for college in the mid 80s, she just Jumped right into it further, graduating with a B.A. in Modern Languages and Literature from Trinity College. Liz. Yeah. She then took an internship in finance in Caracas, Venezuela. Wow. I know. Really impressive. There's no stopping Liz. No, no, no. Then she headed back to New York City where she went to work for a language translation company. Now, the World Wide Web, I mean, it existed, but it wasn't kind of a public commodity at this point but the forces of globalization were on the march
0: alas free,
1: free markets free aren't peoples they always, whatever yeah yeah and the translation industry was subsequently booming liz believed that there was not yet an excellent model for the type of business that she envisioned which was going to be much more akin to like a big law firm or a major bank servicing corporate clients very high-end service levels prompt, diligent work uh, with, with outposts all, all around the globe, right? So that was, this was her- It's a great idea. This was her, it was perfect for the timing too. So with that vision, that is why she went and enrolled in Stern for the MBA. And this is where she met Phil. And in 1992, at the young age of 26, Liz withdrew $5,000 out of her savings account, took a $5,000 cash advance on a credit card, and TransPerfect was launched. Huzzah! Huzzah! The ownership scheme was 50-50 between herself and her boyfriend, Phil. And Phil would later transfer 1% of the company to his mother so that TransPerfect would benefit from women-owned business preferences and all that. Anyway, they identified and recruited freelance translators. They put in 100-hour weeks cold-calling potential corporate customers, everywhere they could think of to try to drum up business. And it worked incredibly well with TransPerfect growing in every quarter of its existence. Holy cats. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. So it went from a two-person operation based in Phil's NYU dorm room to a behemoth with offices in more than 100 cities, more than 7,500 employees, and hundreds of millions of dollars in annual revenue. That's amazing. Absolutely. I mean, it's a big, big deal today. It really is. By 1996, TransPerfect had offices in four cities, and Liz and Phil were engaged to be married.
0: Oh, Liz and Phil, all things are looking great!
1: Mazel! Except they didn't. Oh, no. In 1997, Liz called off the wedding, and Phil, by the account that the Delaware Supreme Court found credible, took this badly it oh phil yeah it quotes from the chancery court's ruling quote phil did not take the breakup well and would terrorize liz and say horrendous things about her husband michael burland whom she married in 1999 the supreme court of delaware continues on two separate occasions phil responded to the rejection by crawling under liz's bed and refusing to leave i'm sorry what what just crawled under her bed just why not What, is little Liz going to drag him out from under the bed? No,
0: no, he's, he's, he's down low, but he's got the upper hand. Is Liz married at this point? Is Liz's husband upset that her ex-boyfriend is living under their bed? (laughs) Not clear. Not clear on the timing. Did you bring snacks? I've got questions about this haunting under the bed thing. For good measure, Liz also
1: says that Phil and his mother showed up at her wedding in Jamaica. Oh
0: my God, no. Although
1: a spokesman for Phil told Forbes magazine that he was invited to the wedding and has never crawled under a bed. So who can say really? Oh, more?
0: Phil, we hardly knew you.
1: Okay, so that's all bad. But <laughs> <laughs> amazingly, the pair managed to somehow eke out I mean, an entirely dysfunctional but ongoing business relationship over basically the next decade and a half. I mean, it was terrible for their employees, it murdered morale at the company by many accounts, and it was increasingly underhanded and overheated, but it was a relationship nonetheless. So there is this Forbes interview with Liz from 2016, and it kind of sets the table for the end state of this dysfunction this way. By 2011, the firm had $300 million in revenues and 2,000 employees around the world. Wow. But at the top, the relationship was turning ugly. Early in the year, Liz got upset with Phil for what she considered self-indulgent expenses, including using corporate frequent flyer miles for a plane ticket for his fiancée, according to the Delaware Opinion. And then quotes Liz, Your priorities are all wrong now, and we're not meant to be business partners, she wrote in an email. Let me know how much you want to buy me out for. I'd like to make this amicable.
0: So Liz is trying.
1: Right. Show me the money, man. The Forbes piece continues. In early 2012, Liz poured a bottle of water on Phil when he wouldn't leave her office. Seems to be a bit of a pattern here. At least
0: he came out from under the bed. Right.
1: (laughs) According to an affidavit from the company's CFO in a separate dispute, because there was a lot happening in litigation bill, Liz says that this account is not accurate. That is her quote. When Liz questioned whether a new office in France made sense, Phil responded in email saying, relent, or I will dismantle this place starting today. Oh,
0: Phil. Hmm. Wow.
1: For what came next, we are going to switch over to an entirely separate Delaware Supreme Court ruling. I'm telling you, lots of litigation, which was issued on the same day in February of 2017 as the first one I was drawing from. This one is far more narrative and really goes through the whole timeline in incredible detail. Before the court weighs in, though, we're going to grab a little break here to attend to our own business needs. And when we come back, we're going to get into the TikTok of a great. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's
0: Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, Stacy, Chancery Court of Delaware has some things to say about Liz and Phil. Supreme Court. But the ruling opens this way, quote, Philip
1: Shaw appeals an order of the Court of Chancery sanctioning him for misconduct throughout litigation with his current business partner and former romantic partner, Elizabeth Elting. After an evidentiary hearing, the Court of Chancery found that Phil deleted documents from his computer, recklessly failed to safeguard his cell phone, improperly gained access to Liz's emails, and lied multiple times under oath. Phil. The court also found that Phil's improper conduct impeded the administration of justice, unduly complicated the proceedings, and caused the court to make false factual findings. The Court of Chancery ordered Phil to pay 100% of the fees Liz incurred in connection with bringing the motion for sanctions, and 33% of the fees she incurred litigating the merits of the case, awarding Liz a total of... $7,103,755 in fees and expenses. That's, we're not even at the company yet. Yeah, the court, the, the ruling continues. On appeal, Phil argues that the court of Chancery erred in three respects. By finding that he acted in bad faith when he deleted the files from his laptop and failed to safeguard his cell phone. Could happen to anyone, your honor. Yeah, that's what CEOs
0: do all the time.
1: Two, for failing to afford him criminal due process protections before sanctioning him for, quote, perjury. <laughs> oh. And three, oh. by awarding Liz an excessive fee. After a careful review of the record, we find that the Court of Chancery followed the correct legal standards and made no errors of law in its sanctions ruling. Phil's behavior was, quote, unusually deplorable. <laughs> unquote. And thus the court of chancery acted well within its discretion by sanctioning him for his bad faith conduct. We therefore affirm the judgment. So I think this is what our lawyer friends call a bench slap. One of my favorite. (laughs) So this ruling, the the case was Shaw v. Elting, um, opens with an October 2013 incident where Liz hired a law firm to try to help work through these various business disputes that she and Phil were having and had been having for some time, I think. This, according to the court, just outraged Phil, who began spying on Liz. You've lawyered up. Uh, He ordered employees of the company. Again, they co-own the company. And actually, she at 50% versus his 49%, she is actually the majority or the plurality shareholder. Anyway, he ordered their employees to intercept Liz's mail. Nope to listen in on her phone calls. And in December of that year, Phil began monitoring Liz's personal emails.
0: Oh, Phil,
1: not cool, dude. How do you think he did that, Alicia? What do you, what, what skullduggery do you think happened
0: here? I don't know. Sounds like spyware. Sounds like a lot of law breaking.
1: Little light B&E. That's oh, breaking Phil. Breaking and entering for sure, those who don't sure. uh, follow the cop shows. Little light B&E and some computer crimes. It turns out that on New Year's Eve, again, this is 2013, Phil broke into Liz's office. And stole her computer, which he took to another executive at the company.
0: Oh my God! Who
1: imaged her hard drive so that Phil could review all of her oh, just data at his leisure. At his leisure—that sure. is what I wrote in my script. At his leisure. Wow. Just kick Phil. back, New Year's Day, glass of champagne, and reading some emails. Eat some black-eyed peas. Think about how I'm going to destroy my
0: ex-lover.
1: Yep. Hopping John. hopping Phil. Uh, they did this. <laughs> they did this again two more times in 2014. And the court also found that Phil remotely accessed Liz's computer at least 44 times on 29 different occasions, abusing his administrative permissions within the network as well as the company's computer network.
0: And Liz didn't
1: incur any violence upon Phil? Well, she didn't know until it's, it's a while. So the court says that he gained access to some 19,000 of her emails Twelve thousand of which were privileged communications with her lawyers. This is how you destroy get bench yeah, this is how you get bench slapped, Wow in April of twenty fourteen getting mired in it. Phil hired a henchman. Why not for the low low price of a quarter million a year? This guy, Nathan Richards, would be tasked with breaking into Liz's office in the early morning hours daily don't know on the regular to photograph everything and steal any documents that may be visible. Obviously, even if Liz did not know the full scope of what was going on, which she did not yet, things were bad between them and getting worse, and litigation began to feel imminent on both sides of this. April 2014 is also the month that Phil issued a litigation hold notice to senior staff at TransPerfect so that, in theory, records, documents, devices files on computer desktops, all of that stuff would be available for review and deposition and all the discovery, like all the things that happen in litigation. And sure enough, the following month, Phil and Liz filed four separate lawsuits against each other. One in New York, which is where TransPerfect was headquartered at the time, and three in Delaware, which is where it's corporate...
0: Addresses. Where it's
1: registered. Yeah. uh, Anyway... Listen out her own litigation hold notice to transperfect employees in September, and then we move on to November, where Phil claimed that his niece dropped his cell phone into a soft drink while he was in the other room, and it just won't it just won't turn back on. Your honor. I'm very sorry. the story got more complicated. He gave it to a different employee of Transperfect who had once recovered. His own phone after it fell in a toilet with rice and like it came back to life. So this was his expertise. He didn't take his phone to like a shop to get worked on by professionals. Then this guy later claimed that, you know, he played around with the phone for a while. It wouldn't come back. He put it in a drawer. Months later, he opened the drawer, saw rat droppings on the phone and threw the whole thing into the trash as a just knee jerk reaction to the rat droppings. And anyway, the court was like, this is not I don't believe a word of this. So this sounds awfully sus. This sounds awfully sus. Days later, in the New York case, I don't know if Phil was thinking Liz was not paying any attention, Phil asked the court to find that all those emails that he had been secretly perusing were <laughs> not were not privileged. Oh, oh, fun. this was the first Liz had heard of him reading all of her emails. So she moved for expedited discovery and a motion for sanctions in Delaware. But Phil was not done trying to cover his trail. In December of 2014, (sighs) he deleted almost 19,000 files from his computer. He scrubbed his browser history. Again, keep in mind, he sent out a litigation hold notice to everyone. Saying everybody. Don't delete stuff, guys. We may have. All right. So he attempted to delete the software that he was using to access her machine, but apparently it left files that forensic experts were able to recover and use to prove this just enormous level of obstructive efforts in this litigation process. Delaware was unamused. Then there were incomplete or false answers to Liz's lawyers, documented by the courts. The oh, ruling definitely
0: lie to attorneys. That's a great idea.:
1: The ruling just lays these out in bullet point format, which, again, thank you, your honors. Uh, here we go. Point one. Interrogatory number 5 asked Phil to describe each instance in which he had accessed Liz's hard drive. Phil referenced only the 2013 incident and omitted all the other the other 19,000 wow the other yeah handful of times that he had imaged her drive. Interrogatory number 17 asked Phil to identify anyone who may have had knowledge about his downloading and exporting Liz's personal email files. Have you met my henchman? Okay, but The bullet point continues, Phil listed 27 people, but he omitted the executive who was actually doing the imaging for him. He just kept this guy hidden. But can you, if you're Liz, you're like, there are 27 of my employees who have been spying on executives who must have been unbelievably just that sense of betrayal by so many people. All right. The court continues. Interrogatories twenty, twenty-one, and 23 asked Phil to identify persons with knowledge of or who may have assisted him in accessing or reviewing documents on Liz's hard drive. Phil swore that no one other than his counsel had information about his accessing or reviewing information on the drive and that no one assisted him in downloading or accessing Liz's personal emails. So again, just just lying. This takes us to uh, Part H of the ruling which is titled, quote, False Trial Testimony and False Affidavit During Post-Trial Briefing. Basically, he continued to hide the identity of one of his co-conspirators, the TransPerfect executive who helped him image the computer, by basically putting everything on the henchman that he had hired, Mr. 430 in the morning photography dude. And I guess that was also, he like, part of his job description was to be the fall guy, I guess. I mean, quarter million a year. In January of 2016, the court held a hearing on Liz's motion for sanctions after all of that. In its July ruling, the court of Chancery granted the motion, finding that Phil had engaged in bad faith, quote, by intentionally attempting to destroy information on his laptop computer after the court had entered an order requiring him to provide the laptop for forensic discovery. That was point one. Two, by, at a minimum, recklessly failing to safeguard evidence on his phone, which he regularly used to exchange text messages with employees and which was an important source for discovery. And three, by repeatedly lying under oath to conceal aspects of his secret extraction of information from Liz's hard drive and the deletion of information from his laptop.
0: So Phil, you just get worse. Yeah, you get worse, it, Phil.
1: Here are a few other statements from the Delaware Supreme Court upholding the Chancery Court's ruling. I'm going to try to summarize these because it uh, it goes on. It <laughs> does go on. So the yeah, the Chancery Court appointed a custodian to sell Transperfect because it, again, it's a big profitable company. It has a lot of employees. There, there is a state interest in not just letting these two murder it in their fight and preserving it as a successful business right, entity
0: Liz's ass like give me a number buy me out I, I will walk away
1: yeah so oh, alright so the court found that Phil engaged in a secret campaign to spy on Liz and invade her privacy by Good intercepting Lord. her mail monitoring her phone calls accessing her emails including thousands of privileged communications and entering her locked office without permission on numerous occasions as well as sending his so-called paralegal the henchman There at 4.47 a.m. on another occasion, (laughs) Phil co-opted the services of company advisors to assist him in advancing his personal agenda against Liz. Phil unilaterally hired numerous employees to perform shared services functions. That means shared in the parts of the company that he ran and parts that she ran. So like accounting, finance, like the billing department, like shared services. He was secretly stuffing them full of people he'd and even to work in divisions that Liz managed without her knowledge or consent by creating off-book arrangements and fabricating documents. Phil sought to have Liz criminally prosecuted by referring to her as his ex-fiancee 17 years after the fact when filing a domestic incident report as a result of a seemingly minor altercation in her office. Phil disparaged Liz and tried to marginalize her within the company by gratuitously disseminating a memorandum to employees in her own division, accusing her of collusion and financial improprieties. Finally, Phil disparaged Liz publicly by unilaterally issuing a press release in the company's name containing false and misleading statements.
0: Phil, get over it, man. The breakup was a long time ago, Long time
1: ago. These were just some of the highlights of the facts found by the Court of Chancery after a lengthy trial. The court also made detailed findings about continuous acrimonious disputes over personal and business expenses, weekly, if not daily, temper tantrums, and (laughs) what it called mutual hostaging between the founders over proposed acquisitions, stockholder distributions, employee hiring, pay and bonuses, and office locations. The court also found that Phil bullied Liz and those aligned with her, expressing his desire to, quote, create constant pain for Liz until she agreed with Phil's plans. It was common for senior officers to be drawn into their disputes. This just sounds like a nightmare workplace. Who were then abused by threatened firings, substantial fines, inappropriate emails, and by withholding compensation and promotions. I mean, just, ugh.
0: I am not a Phil fan.
1: Yeah. So specific to the company's operation, the Court of Chancery heard days of testimony, which led to findings that Liz refused to pay litigation counsel to defend significant ongoing patent infringement litigation against TransPerfect. So that's not good either. Phil fired real estate professionals, public relations professionals, refused to execute leases and interfered with the company's payroll. Phil refused to engage in an annual expense true-up and interfered with the annual review of the company's financials and its audit process. Phil falsified corporate records to avoid review by Liz. Oh my god. So the Court of Chancery has this particular scene that it seemed to feel best typified the type of harassment that Phil was engaged in against Liz. Um, Liz was flying to Paris in 2014. On December 2nd, 2014, Liz boarded a red-eye flight to Paris and discovered, to her surprise, that Phil was seated across the aisle from her.
0: Oh, no.
1: Phil claimed to have no idea that she would be on the flight. Oh, but sure,
0: Phil. Sure. In
1: truth, right, Phil previously learned that Liz would be on the flight and made arrangements to be seated next to her without her knowledge. <sighs> Liz changed seats. The next day, Phil sent a text message to several of his uh- allies stating... Was next to Liz on the plane, and she switched seats, and then like a, a winky, like semicolon, closed parentheses, like a winky emoticon.
0: I got to her. What a jerk.
1: Yeah. In fairness, there were bad acts on both sides. There was, there was the water pouring. At one point
0: in 2014, they- I'm Sorry, he lived under my bed. <laughs> I poured a little water on you? Maybe I was hoping you would melt, wicked witch of the fill.
1: At one point in 2014, they argued about some tax thing in her office, and she tried to get him to leave and close the door to him, but he blocked the door with his shoe. So uh, this is the domestic assault. He says that she engaged in 17 years after they broke up Uh by pushing him and kicking him twice. Uh, He then tried to have her arrested, although her lawyers intervened and it it ended up being part of these civil suits and not criminal. The Delaware case was a really big deal because, in effect, the court was taking over the operation of a profitable, in theory not distressed corporate entity against the wishes of at least half of its directors. In theory, this was to protect shareholder value, but the three shareholders were Liz, Phil, and Phil's mom. Very private, like a fully private company. No less than the esteemed legal mind of Rudy Giuliani weighed in, our favorite. Oh,
0: spiderwebs.
1: Noting that this was a troubling outcome in terms of the free market. Multiple rounds of bids from various entities, including Phil and Liz, or like private equity firms teaming with Phil and Liz, were made to this custodian over the next year or so. And in May of 2018, the court-appointed custodian finally accepted Phil's offer of $770 million, including $385 million in cash to Liz to buy out her shares. This yielded $287 million for her after taxes.
0: Good for Liz. I was hoping there was going to be a happy ending for her. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, making Phil the sole owner and CEO of TransPerfect, which seems, I don't know, not great karmically, but I guess somebody had to end up owning it.
0: Don't you think Liz just wants to like don't go away mad? Just go away. I mean, yeah, yeah. Let me take my millions. I can go hang out on a beach. Hundreds
1: of she's one of the richest women in the
0: world. Yes, yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Take your take the money and
1: run. In case you thought that Phil's poor conduct was strictly directed at Liz, you would be wrong. In 2019, <laughs> a group of more than 60 Delaware law professors and practicing lawyers published an open letter accusing Phil of spearheading a, quote, spiteful personal vendetta against the judge, unquote, oh. who ruled against him in the chancery courts, apparently publishing attacks against the judge under the moniker of Citizens for a Pro-Business Delaware. You want to get bench slapped again, Phil? He relocated TransPerfect's company, parent company's corporate address from Delaware to Nevada just so the chancery court would be fully cut out of everything forever.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Liz, meanwhile, took the money and ran. She has turned her attention to philanthropy and advocacy. She champions women entrepreneurs and encourages more women to go into STEM fields. She's funded scholarships and such through her Elizabeth Elting Foundation. And I'm not going to lie, hopefully she has also availed herself of some top-of-the-line therapy because, like, Everybody has had a difficult coworker somewhere along the way, but to be enmeshed in that level of animosity, betrayal, and skullduggery, to use that word again for that many years, has got to leave a psychic mark on you. I mean, like, yeah, business can be dirty, but it doesn't have to be. And this sounds like it was much, much worse than than it
0: should have been. If I was Liz, I would also invent a new bed that let me just flip a switch and pull stakes up from Ooh, the floor. A little spike action. A spike action.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Here's my new spike bed. Spike bed. Uh-huh. Cool, cool. It only hurts you if you're under. <laughs> only hurts once. <laughs> wow. That was a hell of a ride. Yeah. I'm glad Liz came out on top. Take the money and run, sister. I mean, I think she wanted to... She wanted to take the money and run a decade, it sounds like, before it happened.
1: Yeah. So that is today's highly trashy business divorce of Liz Elting and Phil Shaw, who built a language services empire together and closed out their partnership by communicating only through lawyers. Tough stuff. Uh, A Delaware chancery court's worth of trash cans for this one. 19,000, maybe. All shoved under a bed. With a new spike system. With a new spike system to protect against future... Future (laughs) Phil's. Wow. I believe she's happily married with, like, teenage kids and... Good for her. Very rich. So, you know, I guess... Does
0: Phil ever get married or is he just
1: still pining over Liz? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if he's married or not.
0: That wasn't the focus of this story. This was the trashy business divorce. He had
1: that fiancé he bought airplane tickets for, so... Mozilla, Mazel phil.
0: Mazel phil. wow,
1: hugely successful company though, and like very influential. Like it's a, it's a necessary service just for the architecture of the world we live in. Correct. So like I don't know, I, I found the whole thing fascinating as it was happening, and
0: well done, Stacy. Thank you. Thanks for bringing us that different side of trashy divorces. Yeah, computer crimes, man. I don't know.
1: Well, that is my story for the week. In the meantime, if you would like more of us, you can check us out at patreon.com slash trashy divorces or pull up some free stuff that we have liberated from the paywall by
0: typing in bit.ly slash trash candy into your browser. For sure. The Patreon community, again, I'm always going to give a big thanks to Mm y'all. Getting ad-free episodes, bonus episodes. I think we've got almost 1,200 episodes over there now. And I'll see what I can do about refreshing that bitly trash candy link for some fun stuff maybe over the next holiday month oh good yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. awesome thank you again stacy great story thank you trash pandas for joining us today being awesome doing all your amazing in the world we are gonna be back this week with a brand new trashy divorce for you patreon in the meantime wishing you the most wonderful december Until we meet again, friends, we hope that you will keep your hands clean. We hope that you'll keep your hearts trashy. It's the way it should be. If the bed that you're underneath is not yours, don't go there. Yeah. Big love, everybody. Holy cats, I've never heard a story like that. (laughs) (sighs) Have a fantastic week, y'all. Big love. Bye. Bye.